Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Spider sense tingling. I'm in for some trouble. Something's turning my spider sense off. Spider sense tingling. I feel my spider sense. Spider sense tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Wallop and Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? I think so. <laughs> to listen to this show, find us on 4EyedRadio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit RevengeLover.com. This episode is supported by our $10 and up patrons. Uh, in this case, just Bo Harper. Hey, Bo. Yo! And continuing with the Patreon stuff, last episode we introduced our Wallop and Word Snappers games, so we can reveal the words that we had in our last episode. Did you guess it? Did, Did you, you guess, guess it? it? Did you guess it? You have five seconds to go back to the last episode, listen to the entire episode the again, thing. the whole thing, and try to figure it out. 25 times speed. <laughs> 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 these words were submitted by Marilee O'Neill, our our five dollar patron. Only one right now. Um, she submitted. Uh, already broke the rules. Our first one, we said five words or less, and she submitted six words. But that's okay. It was a good six words. We was, liked it. We liked it. It was good. It was be good to yourself. Drink water! Exclamation point. Which yeah. is sweet. That's nice. I like. It's good advice. It is very good advice, especially when you have a hangover after. Uh, mm. After partying too hard in your new apartment. (laughs) Yeah. With absolutely zero alcohol, because it's a good show. Right. Mm -hmm. Of course. Okay. And if you would like to submit some words for next month, just go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash wallopandwebsnappers, and become a $5 or more patron, and you'll have access to our special forum, so you can play the game along with us. Uh, We don't have any words for this episode, so you don't have to be like a big detective and try to figure it out, (laughs) because there's nothing there for you to find. Sorry. (laughs) Someone's listening like, that's a lie. I'm gonna find it. (laughs) they're throwing us off the scent (laughs) good luck (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you can make us say whatever you want for better or worse (laughs) yep (laughs) not terrified at all (laughs) cool well we've got not quite a big one but not quite a small one today uh we're just doing one episode but we're also wrapping up the first season of a spider-man the animated series we're finally at the end yeah we made it yeah, we made it. It was good. It was a good. It was a good first season. We'll 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 kind of talk about the actual season finale, and then we'll end our episode with some conversation about like our general thoughts, some some general like themes and, and ideas we've kind of pulled out, lessons learned, and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. But it's been a it's been a fun season. This, this is this was a really interesting choice for an episode to end the season on too. Yeah, <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> Yes, today we are talking about The Chameleon, 
Mm-hmm. Which is exactly who I would have chosen for the season finale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this episode, of course, is the 13th episode of the first season, the last episode of the season. It is called Day of the Chameleon. It is available on Amazon and iTunes for purchase if you would like to watch along with us. And uh, here's a small synopsis per IMDb. A secret organization known as S.H.I.E.L.D. asks for Jameson's assistance in capturing a terrorist known as the Chameleon. (laughs) So, (laughs) we get our things from IMDb because, I mean, IMDb is a place that everyone knows. And Amazon also pulls the exact same um, description for IMDb. Even though I think they're technically user-submitted, I'm not really sure. This one seems user-submitted because it's got, (laughs) like, a very obvious mistake in it. Because it's... Asks for Jameson's assistance, like an assistant, like your secretary or like your personal assistant rather than yeah. his assistance. When you drew my attention to this, I really struggled because I was like, I thought that you were drawing my attention to it because he suddenly had assistance. And <laughs> Which... I was like, I don't remember him having like a bunch of interns. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a receptionist that like pops up out of nowhere in this one and is just established. That's true. <laughs> so, I mean, that that works. But... Yeah. Yeah, it's just weird. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, there's a reason that they say not to trust IMDb sometimes. And that's one of those. Someone could fix that. Someone could fix that. Yeah. You know, it's the same kind of, it's the same kind of deal as when they said that um, when Rosemary Harris was credited as Aunt May slash Carnage in in (laughs) Spider-Man 3 for a while. Ah, nice. (laughs) Yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun time. Um, The other weird oddity of IMDb, too, not to just be, like, dunking on it this whole time. It's just strange. Actually, that's all we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about IMDb this entire, like, one to two hour episode that we're doing right now. Yeah, we didn't watch, we didn't watch a chameleon episode, guys. (laughs) (laughs) As far as I can tell, the original air date for this episode is June 11th, 1995. IMDb weirdly has it listed as July 8th, 1995, but hmm. literally every other source everywhere says June 11th. So I don't really know like h- how that's possible. Yeah, that's really weird. <laughs> it's a it's a random mistake to make because, I mean, it's just a week off, but unless yeah. it got delayed a week, like in some areas, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a mystery that will never be solved. never (laughs) but yeah so this is the season finale of the show um after a bunch of multi-parters this is just kind of a standard one and done episode Mm -hmm. it was written just by john semper um i have a lot of uh, a a a pretty hefty amount actually of kind of behind the scenes trivia for this one that we can run down lay it on us cool cool so uh john semper um in in kind of his recent in the past few years retrospective that he was doing he calls this episode one of his favorites of the series, actually. It's not my fa- my personal favorite, but one of my guesses is why it's his favorite of the series is that it was, like, one of the few that wasn't just bogged down with an insane amount of, like, creative pushback and and complicated stuff, like with the Hobgoblin episode, for example. This was a pretty, pretty simple one for him, it seemed like. He said, I'd have an, uh, normally the way that a script would start is that uh, he says, I'd have an idea of what villain I wanted to use and what story I'd come up with. Then I'd sit down with one of my staff writers and beat out the outline plot by point. Um, in the case of this episode, Day of the Chameleon, I had originally chosen one of my staffers to write it and we were on the phone discussing it. But as I was coming up with each new twist and turn, I was getting more and more excited about the story. But 
for some inexplicable reason, this particular writer was getting more and more obstinate and sullen, not really enjoying the story at all. Uh, finally, I got angry and thought to myself, if this person isn't, ex- isn't as excited about the story as I am, then I'll be damned if I'm going <laughs> to hand it off to them to write. So That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love that about him. He's so, he is so like excited and, and passionate and proud of his work. It really yeah. is like, kind of inspiring, to be honest. But he says, just to finish off this quote, he says, that very night, I decided to just write it myself. And it practically flowed out of my word processor, requiring almost no effort at all. And I got very few notes on the first draft. Um, He says, really, the only one that was kind of a standout note that he remembers was just like they asked him to eliminate a bit where Peter finds like a clue. I think he finds like a piece of glass or something Mm. and puts it together. And they asked him to nix it because it made him too much like a detective and less like a regular college kid, uh, which Semper thinks was a stupid note because Peter's a smart guy he's a superhero and, yeah and he's definitely put stuff together <laughs> on other episodes of this show so that is a little silly yeah. but you know <laughs> yeah eh. if that's the worst note you get i guess that's that's good <laughs> yeah that's a victory yeah but yeah yeah so it's interesting it's 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 kind of cool that he's like so uh into it and passionate about it this was apparently a really solid one in the eyes of uh of whatever you would call the people who decide on and give out awards because uh, he actually won an Annie award for best individual achievement for writing in the field of animation for this episode. It's this entire show is one and only Annie, Annie nomination. Um, and the Annie award is the highest award you can get like exclusively in the animation field. Hmm. I wonder why this one's his favorite, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the one episode of the whole show that he just has like nothing but good memories attached to <laughs> I would too. <laughs> um, this piece of trivia that you found, I'm obsessed with. And I would like to think I would have noticed this had I not seen this prior. Um, but I certainly didn't think about it when I was a kid watching this show. But Semper talked about um, the fact that Chameleon never uses his own voice. And I saw this note before I had finished looking up cast members and stuff like that. But it would have been really funny for me to try to f- like find Chameleon's <laughs> voice on IMDb because there isn't one. <laughs> Semper says, I couldn't imagine the chameleon ever running the risk of using his real voice, which could possibly reveal his real identity. It would be completely out of character for somebody like him who made a profession out of always being somebody else. Also, I thought it would be genuinely creepy if we never heard his voice. And I think that's really, really cool and such a fantastic detail that Mm -hmm. isn't necessary, but I I just love, like, it just enhances things. It really does. It makes makes Chameleon so much more of an enigma. It makes him a lot, it really does make him a lot creepier. Yeah. Especially with the design, the kind of like, almost like lizard man face kind of design they give him a little bit. Right. It's it's really cool. It's really smart. And it, and it does and it fits the way that he's presented in this episode too as as like this international spy that's like <laughs> yeah. Really again really like enigmatic and kind of fades in. Like it's a really cool aesthetic that you don't really get from a lot of the more commonly boisterous <laughs> types of villains uh on, on this show and in Spider-Man in general. Yeah, that's really true. Um especially since we just saw like absolute sociopath like bomb obsessive uh hobgoblin in the previous two episodes it's like (laughs) swinging the pendulum all the way to the other side (laughs) right right (laughs) i can appreciate that (laughs) yeah it's it's nice to have one that's just kind of subdued and again they don't really go into his backstory or anything yeah he's just he's just creepy and he's there and you know what he's there for yeah (laughs) 
just a couple other bits of trivia. Um, there's uh, one scene at, in the beginning where Spider-Man is uh, rescuing a guy from a crashed helicopter. Um, there's a man in the crowd that says, way to go, Spider-Man, after he rescues uh, rescues him. And that guy is voiced by John Semper. So that's kind of huh. cool. Yeah. And the other bit of trivia, it's not as fun, but uh, this that scene where there's a helicopter crash, the entire scene apparently... Um, that starts with like the chameleon disguised as a guy riding helicopter, it crashes into a building. We'll kind of go for it beat by beat when you're going through the episode. But if you were watching it in reruns, they apparently cut out that entire scene mm. because it, they cut it out after the September 11th attacks. So yeah. it said that this show was running in reruns for a long time after it, after it had uh, ended. Um, and I remember it was on ABC Family like daily almost, I think. So they edited that scene out because it has a, like, air vehicle uh, crashing into a building. And there's also, like, multiple shots just coincidentally of the World Trade Center, like, that it just randomly cuts to or they fly past during that sequence. Right. So just kind of a bad look. So understandable. I Well, and for folks who don't remember, um, because I, I, you know, like, uh, I, I know plenty of folks who are even my friends who are just, like, just slightly too young to remember how this went. The stuff was taken off the air or off the radio for far less so mm-hmm. the fact that this is actually an aircraft crashing into a building, like that was pretty on the nose. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of a lot of stuff that was edited out or episodes that were just like taken out of syndication for lots of shows at that time, just because like people didn't really know how to deal with like that type of situation. So yeah. you'd get stuff where it's like, okay, there's a Simpsons episode that takes place at the world trade center. And it's Homer talking about how much he hates New York the whole time. Makes sense to not air that for a while until people have kind of like, you know, had to time to grieve and everything like that. Yeah. Um, but then there's other, other cases where like, it is just buildings blowing up, which I know that there's, there's episodes in the second season of this show that were just taken out of syndication for a long time, just because it was a two parter. And one of those episodes, episodes happen to have like a building visually blowing up oh, like yeah. a, a skyscraper blowing up and it's sort of like okay well it's not as explicit but it still seems weird no, to, it, to it, have that you know it affected everything i mean yeah. there there were episodes of pokemon that were taken off the air because a giant kaiju pokemon like knocks down buildings it's right. like barely related at all but yeah people just didn't know what to do so it, it if if it seems weird that they would would edit a, a kid's cartoon because of those attacks like I remember it not being that weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was yeah. just, like, constant. <laughs> Everything mm-hmm. on TV changed for a very, very extended period of time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. I didn't. I couldn't find, like, what the date was when they... I mean, it might have been that they had just that edited version just up until they stopped airing the show and reruns in general. Because I feel like they stopped airing it maybe around, like, 2007 or so. Huh. Um, anywhere, maybe. But I feel like they just never... Probably never had a recut version of it. Um, and then... It wasn't until it was like back on streaming that you would see it, that you would see the full cut of it. Because I don't think I remember ever seeing the the two parter that was cut out of the second season ever after nine eleven until until I found it either on YouTube like illegally or it was on Hulu. I think <laughs> I could totally be wrong with that, but at the very least, it was off the air or edited down like this for for years afterwards. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's a pretty common story for stuff that was happening at this time yeah and i guess they're kind of lucky because in this case for this show that that scene i think it can be reasonably taken out without there being 
much impact on the episode, you know? I yeah, mean, <laughs> except that these episodes are like 19 minutes long, and that's not a short scene. <laughs> no, it's not. So it's like, wow, you, you've had to be really, you must have felt like really shorted watching that reruns yeah, and getting like extra real. commercials. I mean, the, the network was probably very happy about it because they got way more commercials <laughs> into oh, it. But Very true. <laughs> but that's it for the making of this episode. It was... It's really interesting hearing all of this and then watching it and like it's it's such the opposite of most of the episodes that we do where it's like wow it sounds like that was a real mess behind the scenes but this wasn't a real mess <laughs> like this was like at all. that sounds like everything went great cool okay fun yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey John Semper needed a break he deserved yes. you know deserved just a nice good clean episode experience I uh, I'm glad they're able to end the episode on a nice like happy fun high note <laughs> Yeah for sure yeah, we do have a few major characters introduced in these episodes. Uh, like we mentioned, or this episode, it's just one. Uh, like we mentioned, Glory Grant, she is the secretary filling the role that I know is normally in most media, uh, like Betty Brant. And then Glory Grant was in the comics and basically has replaced Betty Brant, I think, later on uh, with a rhyming name because that's how comics work. Of course. <laughs> uh, she kind of, this is her first appearance in the show, kind of appears out of the blue, but you're just, just to assume that she's always been there. So Glory is portrayed by Nell Carter. Uh, she's most famous for starring in the 80s NBC sitcom Give Me a Break. Prior to that, she won a Tony for Best Performance by a featured actress in a musical for her role in Ain't Misbehavin'. You know, one thing about learning these actors and actresses and all the things they've done is that I'm sort of gaining a bigger sense of how long television has been around and what types of things are just absolutely completely outside of my scope, despite being a culturally significant thing at the time. And yeah. I get the sense that Give Me a Break was like a big show. I think it lasted for six seasons or something. And I just don't know anything about it at all. Me either. I've never, I'd never even heard of it. <laughs> yeah, no, me either. So it's, it's, and this isn't the only one. It's just, it's kind of fun to, to see these shows that I'm like, that sounds like it was so significant or it sounds like it was a show that lots of people watched and I've never even, you know, never heard of it. Yeah. This was one of those. So I'm going to have to find me an episode of Give Me a Break. <laughs> <laughs> um, also introduced in this episode is one Colonel Nick Fury portrayed not by Samuel L. Jackson, but by one Philip Abbott who also played the same character, Nick Fury, in the Iron Man cartoon of the 90s. I don't know how many times he appears in this Spider-Man cartoon. I suspect, and I'm pretty confident this is not the only time, right? I don't remember at all for him. Okay, but he does appear in at least a half dozen episodes of Iron Man, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Probably a bigger character over there. But I do think it's kind of cool that they just said like, hey, we've already got Nick Fury in this universe, so hey dude. Yeah, yeah, that's really, it's it's interesting, because it's sort of like these subtle crossovers that these shows did back in the 90s, like, I mean, we're, we're kind of spoiled on, on crossover stuff and shared universes now, but yeah. at the time, it was it was very cool when it happened, and I feel like these, like, between this and like, X-Men and Iron Man, um, I feel like they, they did a pretty nice job of, like, integrating them without it... Uh, having to always necessarily be like an event or yeah or clashing with like continuity or whatever like it was always just kind of like subtle crossovers and have one character show up and then that's that's it like that's fine yeah (laughs) it established a connection within the universe but didn't like you said didn't make it an event just it just was (laughs) yeah yeah it's extra interesting because the iron man show wasn't on fox kids like that was i think syndicated i think so that's kind of so that that's actually really cool that they were able to get the rights to do that or the permission to do that (laughs) you know even more interesting for sure Mm -hmm. 
Huh. Yeah. Well, um, Philip Abbott, this is another one of those shows that feels like it was probably pretty significant at the time. But again, I'd never heard of it. Um, he was the, the lead role of Arthur Ward in the 60s and 70s show, The FBI, which went on for 200 some episodes, was on for like nine years. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I want to know so much more about these people and their careers. And it's simply because they play characters in the <laughs> Spider-Man cartoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess you get the sense that they probably were people that either, whether it's John Semper or, like, just the casting director on this show, it's mm-hmm. people that they probably admired. Because they are consistently yeah. these, like, kind of older, like, last generation, uh, like, actors from movies <laughs> and TV shows that, like, it's not your normal cast of just of just your typical voice actors. Like, it's always these... Not obscure people, but like people that you wouldn't necessarily f- always find in kids' cartoons or superhero media, you know. Yeah, and this last one I want to, <laughs> I want to at least bring up. Uh-huh. Not a major character at all. Spoiler <laughs> alert: she will never appear again. But I, I am so just fascinated by this character. <laughs> um, prior to watching the episode again, I just read that her name was Agent X. So I was waiting for her to be called agent x but i'm pretty certain that throughout the entire show she's called agent one yeah i forgot to check the credits to see how she's credited (laughs) but there's a character who's called agent one or agent x who looks kind of like natasha romanov but definitely isn't natasha romanov (laughs) yeah um who also uh is like a big deal but we don't really learn anything about (laughs) yeah like she's almost kind of like like a sharon carter or a maria hill kind of person like she's fury's right hand man but she's it doesn't really like we don't even get her name (laughs) yeah she's like this weird amalgamation of these characters it makes me wonder if they wanted to use a character and then Mm -hmm. just either backed away from it or were told like no like just just don't (laughs) yeah and i don't know of those characters who like has had existed for a long time versus who, right. like I don't know if Maria Hill was like a character invented later or not. I feel like Sharon Carter had been around for a long time, but yeah, I, I would think so. Yeah, but uh, since we mentioned her, shout out to Rachel Davies who you know voiced Agent X. She didn't really do a whole lot, but she did this. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, I guess we can go ahead and start uh, start diving into this one yeah so uh final final intro watch 2019 for spider-man the animated series season one they Mm -hmm. ended on the second intro yes so doesn't mean anything anymore but you know (laughs) just 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 to complete the uh complete the journey that i've gone on maybe it means everything and we're just not paying close enough attention (laughs) that's possible (laughs) i think that's it (laughs) yeah there's a message in there some somewhere (laughs) there is there is um, yeah, well, the episode opens on an airport where this Agent X slash Agent 1, Agent Lady, Black Widow, Maria Hill, Sharon Carter lady. <laughs> yes, that. <laughs> um, she and a handful of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are pursuing Chameleon, um, who we quickly learn has the ability to mimic the appearance of others. Yeah, and this just, they, they go right into it. I mean, they're yeah. in the airport, these agents show up chameleon looking like somebody else just has like this weird cannon briefcase and is like nope i'm out of here and then like bam explosion run action go (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah like wastes no time and and kind of keeps that pace for a good 
you know, few minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is pretty much just one long, like, chase-slash-action sequence. Because the chameleon's escaping. Um, he escapes their blast. He transforms into a helicopter pilot after he bumps into him in the hallway. He then goes to steal the helicopter. Like, the the co-pilot is totally convinced that he's just, you know, his uh, his his co-pilot. And, but chameleon shoves him out of the helicopter anyway and yeah. flies off. <laughs> Why couldn't he just bro down with the other helicopter pilot <laughs> i know i know because it makes it like far less obvious, suspicious right <laughs> nope <laughs> he just throws him out and flies away which since they know that oh that is obviously him since he threw a guy out of the helicopter so mm-hmm. <laughs> they uh, pursue him into the city and there's that chase sequence continues until the chameleon crashes his helicopter into a pigeon tree and also very conspicuously stated to be an unoccupied apartment building that no one has moved into yet so yes. everything's okay Right, no one was hurt. <laughs> no pigeons were, were damaged. Exactly. No children were anywhere nearby. <laughs> no one no one jumped through glass. <laughs> what did you think about the very <laughs> various um animation styles used for this chase? Oh god, it's so weird. It's like all it this whole episode is kind of all over the place animation wise, like in general, I feel like. <laughs> it has some I, I and try not to let me forget. I'll try not to forget. It has some actually really incredibly animated moments mm-hmm. that I don't fully know why are animated so incredibly. <laughs> yeah. And then it's it's sandwiched in between like very normally animated moments and then some sort of like lackluster ones. So it, it's definitely all over the place. This chase scene really just like encompasses that whole mess of <laughs> different <laughs> styles yeah. because we get blips of the cgi which we're used to at this point but it's very little of it Mm -hmm. uh, but just enough for you to notice and then it has some very straightforward flying through buildings and then it does this really sort of cool but almost toontown style (laughs) like weaving in between buildings that has like strange perspective shifts yeah you know what i mean yeah (laughs) and it's impressive because i know it must have been very hard to do uh, it's just also very strange. So I, I, you could get lost in that chase scene. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So after after they crash the helicopter, Spider-Man uh, saves the chameleon who is still in d- disguise. He's knocked unconscious from the uh, from the impact. Um, the helicopter explodes. Um, Spidey's able to save him. But of course, there's uh, window washers there washing the windows of this as of yet uh are they washing the building that hasn't been moved into or are they in another building because why would they be washing a building nobody has moved into yet i think they are washing the new building because i think that the helicopter kind of crashes above them that makes sense because i think the explosion then sort of severs their their um scaffolding wires cables cables is the word i'm looking for i think that's kind of how they end up plummeting towards the 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 concrete of it all that makes sense so i guess they're prepared maybe they're preparing people to move in or something like that but they're there washing the building knocks uh knocks them down so spider-man has to go and save them um so of course he's kind of distracted by that and while that's happening the chameleon uh, wakes up and starts to run away. Spider-Man's like, dude, you were just in a, you just crashed your helicopter into a building. You can't, you can't just leave. You got to stay here. Um, but he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he can't chase after him because as uh, people in superhero things are want to do, the helicopter goes to fall and a lady is just like standing there screaming as a helicopter is about to fall on her instead of, you know, running or anything like that. So 
Is there a trope name for this? I feel like there must be a trope name for this. There has got to be because it's so often and it drives me crazy. Well, it's wild too because it's, it's, I don't, I I don't even know if it's reasonable or not because I've never had like a large object like plummeting towards me, Mm -hmm. but it, I just, I don't know why it also drives me crazy Mm because it's like watching a horror movie where you're just sort of like just move <laughs> right a little bit <laughs> my least favorite one is in smallville there's a point in a very good in a very good episode it's the season four finale and when there's like another meteor shower coming down and there's a kid who like runs into the street as like everybody including his family is like running away from these meteors to find cover he runs into the street to get his like toy truck looks up at the meteors and just like stands there and it's almost like slightly smiling or whatever until like clark comes in and <laughs> saves him but then they use that shot it's a cool shot but they use it in every opening sequence for like the next five seasons until the end of the show and so it's like every time i'm reminded like that dumbass kid was just (laughs) gonna let a meteor just fall on his face like come on (laughs) at least in this case they don't they don't overdo the the moment she's just like screaming and not moving but there are definitely many many uh, shows and movies where they they like really over dramatize it where it's like there's wind perfectly blowing behind them and they just <laughs> like they like they're high in the moment and you're like what is even happening <laughs> so at least we don't get that <laughs> that's true it could be all it could be a lot worse <laughs> oh man yeah well that happens spider-man saves her of course <laughs> but while he's busy doing that chameleon escapes so yes bye-bye Later, Chameleon. Um, we do finally sort of get our next scene out of this, our next plot point, if you will, um, because we go back to the Daily Bugle where uh, J. Jonah Jameson is organizing what he calls the Party of the Century, which is a big gala preceding a peace treaty signing. <laughs> Uh, humorously absent are any sort of names of countries or leaders or conflicts or literally anything that would give us any idea as to what this actually is other than a peace treaty signing that if it doesn't go off perfectly could result in war Mm. of course yes when they eventually like show like the the leaders who are signing the treaty they're just kind of drawn to drawn to be just like vaguely non-white people basically yeah (laughs) like just make them sort of racially you know (laughs) ambiguous they're not from here that's like that's you know there you go yeah yeah um but you know naturally jonah is pretty stressed out about this so he doesn't really have much time for good old peter parker just like barging into his oh my God. <laughs> like his setup saying like please give me a job let me take pictures because <laughs> that's what peter's doing he's showing he up and he's saying like please give like let me be the guy that takes the pictures and jj is like no <laughs> no way like i'm gonna get a professional dude you're freelance get out of my face <laughs> yep. fair and it's a fair fair argument yeah, <laughs> I love the I love like the animation on Peter's run throughout this entire sequence because he yes. runs like his arms are just going everywhere. It's like a full sprint every direction that he goes in. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those moments where I'm like, they spent way more time on this animation. Like, like there's a moment <laughs> where he's chasing after Jameson, who's getting onto an elevator. And I just I'm like, this is definitely somebody who wishes they were drawing anime instead yes absolutely (laughs) like they have to spend their time drawing these american cartoons and they just want to draw somebody like naruto running like 
up a tree. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. I don't even think Naruto was a cartoon yet, but I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> it's just it's just like I try to imagine this in real life. If you were in an office environment and somebody is just sprinting, like his arms are just going like up above his head, he could easily be like accidentally punching and hitting people <laughs> as he's running, and he is butting through people as this is happening. Oh, for like, sure. S- screaming like, "No, wait, Jay Jameson, give me the job!" Give-. Like he'd be yep. like, "Dude, uh, I think you're fired." <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And then he does that thing we all wish we could do, which is, like, dive into the elevator. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, as the doors are closing. I don't know about you, but I'm not I'm not courageous enough. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> it looks great. It's it's well... That part's yeah. well animated. It's very yeah. cool. But, uh, but, yeah, no, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so he manages to continue pursuing J. Jonah Jameson and saying, like, no, really, like, let me do it. And J. Jonah, saying, J. Jonah Jameson's like, no, really, no. <laughs> yeah. But for whatever reason, because... We have frequently said that our favorite Jonah is the one that has a soft spot for Peter. So I think maybe we're getting a little bit of it here. A little. Mm -hmm. Because he says, all right, fine. I'll hear you out. You've got this much time. You've got the car ride. That's it. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of cool. I don't know. I like that. Yeah, he's given him a ch- he's given him a chance, and Peter's reaction is like, "All right." <laughs> Very dramatic. <laughs> but it gives us another cool limo moment. I'm mm-hmm. all about these limo moments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do like when um this is, this is not to backtrack too much, but like when JJ's preparing for his his uh, his party, he's like on the phone he doesn't want escargot he wants caviar instead first of all (laughs) (laughs) i like that like i hate escargot give me caviar (laughs) such problems (laughs) right um but then it's another case he also complains about his suit fitting like he's having a suit fitting coming up and he complains about a monkey suit which is another (laughs) case like like peter complained about it too yeah so nobody in the spider-man universe likes wearing a tux just want to throw that out there (laughs) have we ever seen john semper in a tuxedo (gasps) Ooh. Conspiracy is real. Hmm. It goes all the way up to the top. I think so. <laughs> so in this in this limo ride, um, there's like a little bit of back and forth where, you know, Peter's making, I think, actually a pretty terrible argument because it's all basically about what he gets out of it, which is a Pulitzer Prize and this once in a lifetime opportunity and all that sort of stuff. So JJ really kind of shuts that down. And then Peter, I think actually plays a little bit more in Jameson's ballpark, which is to say like, okay, but I've done a lot for you. Like all those mm-hmm. Spider-Man pictures, like I did that. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually what works. And Jameson's like, okay, we'll see. Like, yeah, I'll try. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. It's a good point. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I dig that. Yeah. So after that is when uh, the limo does not take them to the tailor. It takes them to a creepy back alley, um, which Jameson's like, this doesn't look like where my tailor is uh, before. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a tailor in a back alley somewhere. The limo transforms into a very fancy aircraft, yes. which delivers them to a very fancy shield sky base helicarrier kind of thing. Yeah, they uh, really uh, they really upgraded with the facelift in the MCU. Um, the uh, yes. helicarrier looks a lot better now <laughs> than it did in 1995 or whatever. It, it looks like mm, it looks like something. It's there's a lot happening in the helicarrier in this yeah, episode. Yeah, it's almost like um, ugly Adelan, like city in the sky mm. type thing. I don't know. It's very very weird. <laughs> it's yeah, very yeah. conspicuous. There's a lot of Not, like. 
pointy Subtle. things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so they're in that helicarrier now. They've been taken. Uh, they think it seems to them that they're being taken captive, but um, Peter's staying calm through it. He's discarded in a holding cell, um, but just assumes that there's no video surveillance in this like high tech facility and just <laughs> climbs right through a ventilation shaft with the spider powers. Yeah, um, I guess to be fair, like he has no idea where he is, but like you said, it's pretty high tech. Yeah, and I guess you could argue there probably is video surveillance. They probably know he's Spider-Man, but, like, their shield, they're probably just going to keep close to the chest. And then, you know, he does him a service later on, so I feel like they have to definitely know Peter Parker is Spider-Man after this. Because there's no way there's no video camera or someone looking at this holding cell, so... Oh, for sure. (laughs) It's interesting getting this look at S.H.I.E.L.D. based on what we have as S.H.I.E.L.D. now. Not that it's, like, dramatically different, but just the presentation's obviously very different because you know 15 years makes a big difference mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah because i guess they're kind of like like i'm trying to think of what what the actual differences are and like what the the comparisons are like the equivalents were like what it what it was the equivalent to in the 90s versus what it's kind of the equivalent to now just based on like how the world has changed because mm-hmm. i feel like now it's almost kind of like kind of like a homeland security kind of thing but like we're way above the law kind of idea yeah where it's still it's still and this one it's more like a straightforward military operation i feel like feels far more old school espionage than like um secret operation i don't know what the difference between those two things are but it made sense in my brain yeah well it's 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 the difference between like old school like James Bond CIA yeah. versus the kind of like new, I guess like grittier, more, it's less like, it's less like, look at these cool, crazy gadgets and super technology we have. And more of like, we're just an organized, like tactical black ops force kind of yeah. idea. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Plus like just what, what constitutes high tech in 1995 <laughs> versus you know, 2019 is going to be wildly different. Ooh. So this bizarre airbase that they have probably looked really cool and high tech. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And not bulbous and overblown at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, speaking of technology, that's kind of part of the... Well, first of all, uh, Peter nearly kills himself <laughs> when, he's, when he's going through the ventilation shaft. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I've played a number of games with helicarriers. I get it. I can relate. <laughs> but he's just, like, opening random hatches. Like, that seems like a terrible choice. Yeah. And shouldn't, shouldn't his spider sense have warmed him? Had warmed? Wow. Warmed him? Shouldn't his spider <laughs> sense have warned him that if he opened that, he would be, like, falling to his death? <laughs> Actually, that's a really good question because I don't know that we've seen his spider sense work like that yet. Have we? Uh, yeah, no, we have. Mysterio. When stuff, it's not just, like, in response to threatening people. It can be threatening situations. Okay, yep. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes it should have gone off. Yeah, Eh, you know, whatever. His spider sense (laughs) is, like, inconsistent and (laughs) only based on, like, what the story needs. So, whatever. (laughs) Uh, But he he manages to not splat in this situation, which is great because uh, Spider-Man is kind of central to this TV show we're talking about. So he he keeps crawling through these, these air ducts or ventilation shafts or whatever they are and manages to come across um, Jameson and Nick Fury having a conversation, which is 
nice because it not only fills Peter in, but it f- fills us in too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate the way that they structured that. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they're really throwing a lot at us that we've never seen before. So this actually works really, really well for me. Um, the way that we're able to learn about uh, Colonel Nick Fury and uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. basically revolves around this idea that Nick Fury was dead. And it seemed to have been a pretty public death. Um, It was a high-profile obituary published in the Daily Bugle and all that sort of stuff. So when Jameson sees Nick Fury, he's basically like, wait a second, you couldn't possibly be Nick Fury because here's all this background information. (laughs) And we're like, thanks. (laughs) That's helpful. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So that is nice. I like that. And that's kind of where Nick Fury explains that. You know, he's part of this S.H.I.E.L.D. Supreme Headquarters International Espionage Law Enforcement Division mm-hmm. high tech situation and um, can kind of brief Fury on everything that's going on and why he's involved, including right. the chameleon <laughs> and why he's even here. Right. So the scene, it's it's cool for the reason that you that you stated in that, like, it's a, kind of a quick exposition dump. There's also a lot of awkwardness because the other exposition thing that they introduce is about his obituary photo, (laughs) (laughs) which before we get there, I just want to point out, I'm definitely going to share these photos on social media. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. So futuristic shield technology in 1995 looks ridiculous in that their keyboard is like a giant calculator basically with huge like like you know the uh like the jitterbug phones or uh-huh. like phones that are for old people with like poor eyesight yep. giant buttons it's not in like the keyboard is like that it's not like qwerty style it is literally a b c d e f g and multiple rows yeah like like an alphabet learning toy uh-huh and the last four buttons are a square a circle, a red asterisk, and a triangle. <laughs> you know, those symbols that are commonly typed. <laughs> yep. And it, it's not like it's a word processor, because on the little screen that makes it look like a calculator, it like it's basically a search engine. Like, it's basically Google. Yeah, he's and, doing, like, a Boolean search. <laughs> yeah. And I love, like, the way that he his, like, line reads. Uh, his line reads while he types it. It's just, like, bugle, oh, bits... fury (laughs) (laughs) ah yes we'll find it (laughs) and then the page it pulls up is so good because like it's just this like blank page with fury's photo and then like a very brief like (laughs) tiny paragraph explanation that i guess it was obit which his obit is like really like it was very suspicious i think the word you're looking for is suspicious (laughs) yeah it's hard to read but it's like died in violent plane crash over the something islands i guess the body was completely burned and identified with dental records yeah there's no body guys (laughs) don't look for it the body was totally incinerated (laughs) right right yep yep like this is here and then but then by it is this long like kind of toolbar thing that's just a list of like i feel like they were just like what are words on computers oh file new open close save 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 as (laughs) find file summary (laughs) page setup print preview print and exit (laughs) i love that there's a print preview like whatever this weird perfection style alphabet learning leap pad like situation he's got going on has a print preview right <laughs> what are you printing your oh, own obituary right <laughs> oh, i love it so much it's so it's so goofy it's so goofy 
And his photo is amazing. It's like, so it looks good. so much older than this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The photo is an important plot point. All of this, yes. like, kind of really, it's really, this part is kind of awkward because it's just like, he just like randomly transitions to like, like, oh, I thought you were dead. Like, no, I wasn't. By the way, in my obituary that you printed where you said I was dead, my photo was flipped. Wow, you're a terrible journalist for flipping my photo around. <laughs> well, they, they do it relatively seamlessly, though, I think, because Jameson's like, you can't be dead. We published your obituary. We did that. That's, and that's true. He's like, well, you shouldn't be bragging because, you know, like, I think it's I think it's done. OK, it doesn't feel clumsy. Okay, okay, that's fair. I think it's more the delivery of it, because it's, like, such a weirdly, like, rapid pace thing. Yeah. And I think broken up by him, like, awkwardly typing into the computer. <laughs> Bugle, oh, bit, fury. Yes. That's, that's very true. I feel like Nick Fury in general, I, I, we really, really need to watch this Iron Man show that we keep encountering. <laughs> because I think Nick Fury is a total weirdo in this <laughs> this episode not in like a creepy way like the chameleon is but just like there's something where you're just like are you all right man like do you (laughs) need a nap or something like where what's going on um and this is this is perfectly encapsulates it (laughs) yep (laughs) yeah well that is a thing to remember that his photo is misprinted his patch is on the wrong eye because they flipped it yeah and he made a big deal about it made a very big deal about it (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, he's mainly there to inform Jameson of the chameleon. Um, The reason that it's important for Jameson to know is because chameleon relies on his very fashionable belt to transform into people. (laughs) Uh, The perfect disguise, um, because it's an indetectable disguise, except for the very obvious belt that he's wearing. (laughs) This is one of those things that, like... I just don't know what to do about, because it's it's obviously for us, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's so obviously for us. But it just... it so incongruent with what chameleon's doing yes so we always know who the chameleon is so we can follow the story mm-hmm. but then you're also watching like okay but it's obvious yeah. <laughs> it's really obvious it almost seems feels to me like it's a disparity between how it was written versus how the chameleon was designed because there are varying points in this episode where it would make sense if it was like Maybe it was something on his belt, but it was like a small, like little, little clip at the front of it, you know, that you have to be up close to actually be able to identify because yeah. that comes up multiple times. People, when people are like chasing after and then look down and it's like, oh, it's not him. He doesn't have it because you wouldn't have been able to see it until you had him like close up to see it. But yeah. like the way it's drawn, it's like this very brightly colored, gigantic mm-hmm. belt buckle that no matter what the outfit is, it's I wonder obvious. how much of that is also like animation constraints because we don't really see a ton of like highly detailed, meticulous things, except one scene in this episode with Peter's hair. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I'm trying to imagine this in, in a modern, modern sort of animation setting where you might get a scene of like, chameleon in disguise as somebody running past Mm -hmm. and then you get sort of like the slow shot where his i don't know chip on the side of his head is like just barely revealed in like a slow motion like hair you know what i mean like yeah there's so much you could do now that would i just think would be easier that maybe they just didn't feel confident doing so they put this big gaudy belt on so that you could literally always see it and always know oh that's the chameleon yeah that makes sense. I don't know. 
But but they're certainly not the only show to do this, right? Like you and I both watch Power Rangers, and Power Rangers has done stuff like this where you know they have like a an obviously different color collar, or they mm-hmm. have an obviously different color something. It helps us know who's who, right. uh, but I don't think the people in the world necessarily understand who's who. Yeah, it's like you almost you have to your suspension of disbelief has to be like this thing is obvious to us, but maybe for just the way the mechanics of the world are, it's not obvious to anyone else. Like. It looks like a big deal to us, but maybe if you see it in person, you lived in the world of this show. Yeah, they don't. It does. It doesn't stick out as much to them. So mm-hmm. and you just kind of have to buy that. It makes yeah. it. It just, it makes it kind of goofy when you're watching it. <laughs> but you know, yeah. what do you do? <laughs> but I do think that's a good point, right? Like if you can, if you just tell yourself, like mm, I'm going to suspend my disbelief. They don't see it. It's cool. Like, yeah, that's fine. It's not mm-hmm. that hard. Exactly. Do you like the belt thing? Like, not the literal belt, but do you like that this is basically his power is this belt? Um, I like that it's a chameleon who basically uses, like, essentially holographic technology for his sizes. I think that's a cool idea. I think that's a cool direction to take it. That's sort of, like, your modern version that... I mean, let's face it, like, the original version of just, like, really good masks, that's just as believable as, like, futuristic technology, you know? Yeah. Um, I do like this much, much better than, like, his closet of perfect disguises. Right. Like, his power is just, like, he has a vest that has lots of pockets. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) I I think that was a smart choice. I think the belt is kind of hacky because it's that part of it seems a little much, which... Well, I don't want to spoil it, but I know thing. I remember things that happen when he comes back. So okay. it'll be, but but yeah, for this appearance, like it it seems like an unnecessary piece to it. Like I feel like it 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 works in that it's really similar to like Mysterio's technology. It feels in line yeah. with what Mysterio was using. So I like that aspect of it. Yeah, and I think if you can get behind Mysterio, you can you can get behind this version of Chameleon. Yeah, because if you can accept all the things Mysterio can do with a couple of hollow cubes. You know. <laughs> chameleons no no trouble <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so um nick fury explains what chameleon's doing here he's basically been hired by some unknown government force uh to sabotage this peace treaty and that could of course result in war as not signing peace treaties often do <laughs> um, jj's been given a shield pin that will basically like call shield agents. If any danger happens, he can just press it. So since he's going to be at the signing, he's going to be at the party. He knows who all of his associates are at the daily bugle. So he's going to be kind of their best man to be able to identify who the chameleon is. If someone's acting off without the chameleon knowing that he could be on to him. So he'll be able to call shield agents. If that happens, I like like JJ's uh, like arguing, like, why don't we just shut down the whole party? Why don't we shut down yeah. the signing? And Nick's response is um, if we shut down, if we shut down every time the world threatened us the whole world would stop (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and i i I, he he gives a couple reasons and like he even just says like that would be really obvious dude right (laughs) yeah that that too (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, but no that is a that is a good line right like Mm -hmm. uh it's very it's very um I guess it's not really in the same vein as we don't negotiate with terrorists, but it has sort of the same gravity where you're like, oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's the idea that, like, the world's got to go on. Like, you can't because there's always going to yeah. be there's always going to be danger. There's always going to be bad stuff happening. Like, you can't <laughs> we can't live in, like, a police state, like, under martial law. So yes. you've, you've got to be able to just live your life. And then that's part of the consequences is that it makes things a little complicated when it comes to things like this. Right. 
Well, one thing that's really um, important that's been sort of happening in the background while J. Jonah Jameson and Peter have been <laughs> on this airbase uh, learning about all these, you know, secret espionage things is that Chameleon actually was able to just in time sort of get a glimpse of J. Jonah Jameson before they ran off, mm-hmm. um, which then allows Chameleon to use J. Jonah Jameson as a disguise. So while they've been up in the sky, Chameleon's been infiltrating the Daily Bugle. Um, And one thing that happens basically like right before they get back, it seems like, is he runs into Glory Grant Mm -hmm. and has this very interesting (laughs) interaction uh, (laughs) where he says, like, I need the security plans. Um, And she says, like, I just gave them to you. And he's like, no, you didn't. I need them, like, now. So then she gets, like, (laughs) huffy and, like, goes off and gets them or whatever. Um, But it's sort of, like, the first time we see that the chameleon could make mistakes. Right. Um, Because thus far he's been doing everything right. Like, he's he's able to choose his disguises pretty smartly. I mean, I guess crashing into a building wasn't right. Um, (laughs) But he walks away from that. You know, like, he's he's switching his stuff well enough. He's collecting identities. We actually see him do that in the bugle, like, sift through files, gathering photos of different people and staffers and stuff. But this is where you start realizing, like, oh, okay, like, if he's not careful, this could Mm -hmm. actually catch up with him. Yeah, it does. This is totally a suspension of disbelief thing, but it does sort of bug me that, like, he tis. I, I like that he's going through the files and taking photos of their headshots to, to like, get their, uh, to get them as a disguise. But it is, like, he just gets their headshot, but yet he's still able to copy their entire outfits. And also, Peter's not even wearing his typical shirt. He's wearing, like, a gray, gray shirt in his photo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. I, I almost wonder, like, how would that have to work? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I hadn't thought about it, and now I'm going to think about it so much. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I destroyed this entire episode for you. (laughs) The illusion is gone. (laughs) So um, after this happens, after Lori's retrieving the plans, uh, JJ and Peter both return. Um, They walk into Chameleon, but he quickly disguises himself as Robbie uh, right before they walk in, so that way they don't recognize who it is. They just assume it's Robbie there. But Peter's spider sense does go off, which Mm -hmm. is an important piece because he's basically the one person who's able to who's always going to be able to to figure out who chameleon is because his spider sense can detect him yeah it's actually i mean again mysterio it's very similar to that where yeah. peter, the only way peter's able to know which mysterio is which and which things are illusions and not is his spider sense so right continuing that thread of of i really liked it then with mysterio i really like it here he doesn't necessarily get lots of information from his spider sense he just knows that it happens and then he learns how to trust it and how to use it in the proper ways which right. i think is smart yeah i agree Glory comes back with the plans. She gives them to the real JJ. Um, and JJ's like, why? <laughs> what do you? I already asked for these. And Glory is pissed. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's having a rough day. But you know what? JJ Jameson's secretary, like, you're going to have a rough day every day of your life, probably. Uh, yep. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Chameleon still disguises Robbie, kind of quietly takes those plans and leaves, which, of course, tips JJ um, and probably Peter as well off to Chameleon's presence. Um, so JJ immediately activates his shield pin, which brings all the agents into the Daily Bugle. Peter runs off to, to chase the chameleon himself, changing into Spider-Man, which I get that he can't use his, his spider powers as Peter Parker, but it is like you're just turning into Spider-Man in the middle of the Daily Bugle when Spider-Man shouldn't be there. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> that should be raising some suspicion. And people do, like, and call does. out. <laughs> They're like, why is Spider-Man here? But yeah. 
still well, no I, it's interesting together. because i didn't remember i remembered elements of this episode but i didn't really remember a lot of the shield stuff which is sort of weird that i would not remember that part <laughs> um but knowing this knowing how shield has been portrayed in the media that i have consumed when uh, there's a point in the in the episode um that's actually sort of coming up but we'll we'll get to the nitty-gritty of it but there is a point where nick fury basically says like what is spider-man doing here and i i was thinking like oh wait like is he gonna like know more than he's supposed to and Mm -hmm. it doesn't really play out that way but um it's interesting to (laughs) to have experienced how my brain's been so conditioned uh (laughs) for nick fury to just like know everything (laughs) right right yeah they're almost like like they're portrayed not very powerful in this episode compared to how we've seen them being such a force of nature in other media like they're kind of most of them don't do very don't do very well at their jobs oh my goodness um for example yes please enlighten us to the the strength and power of of shield agents so these shield agents are storming the bugle trying to track down robbie the first thing they do is take down the real robbie of course Um, classic (laughs) <laughs> spider-man's like trying to tell them that it's not the chameleon because the spider sense isn't going off they're not listening to them they have to like completely tackle robbie get in real close to them before they're like oh he's not wearing the giant belts <laughs> <laughs> and they finally identify that but like <laughs> that's when you know nick fury is like what is spider-man doing here what's yep. what's going on what's up with this well, um, and peter makes this mistake a few times where he sort of like it, it's very reminiscent of night of the lizard where he he acts first and then thinks and or talks later. Right. So he, instead of being like, you have the wrong guy, he's like mid-sentence and like tackling shield agents. Yeah. And you're like, ooh, really, really bad strategy, dude. Like right. really terrible idea. <laughs> right. Like, of course you're going to look like the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what happens. That's when Nick Fury says like, what is Spider-Man doing here? It's it's interesting because this is a Spider-Man that doesn't seem to be on their radar. Yeah. And so he doesn't really know what to make of Spider-Man's presence. Um, and we've never really gotten, at least in this first season, a Spider-Man that is well-regarded publicly. Even just the last set of episodes, we had that guy saying, like, I hope they finish each other off. Like, <laughs> hoping that Spider-Man ends up dead. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting to get Nick Fury's reaction to this in in this setting where he's just like, his first reaction is not to trust Spider-Man, which is fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Well, the chameleon does slip away because of the shield agents. Not not perfect competence. Um, oh, my gosh. They're like bowling pins. <laughs> they really are. Like, oh, they, my God. Yes. One of them trips and the rest of them fall. <laughs> More than once. <laughs> yeah, they're so bad at their jobs, man. Oh. And it's not an, it's it's not incidental. Like, y- you also got the impression that everybody except for Nick Fury and Agent X slash one, they're made to look stupid like kind of dumb right yes absolutely consistently (laughs) on more than one occasion like i think it's i don't think it's here i think it's a little later i think it's a little later when he like calls the agents like bone like you boneheads like let me handle this and before he like webs them up and they all just fall like they're really doesn't get more explicit than that (laughs) yeah yeah they don't it's not a good look for shield in this episode at all weird it really is but he does uh chameleon does uh, slip away he transforms into glory this time um he does it like in front of a shield agent so of course the spider-man's able to 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 figure out who he is and locate him 
Um, but Chameleon, as glory, gasses Spider-Man and gets away, which Peter's like, oh my god, I'm an idiot. Like, why didn't I just, like, punch him out? Why was I making quips while I had him grabbed? <laughs> you mean uh, gas that actually has an effect on other people? Weird. Yeah. It's not Villains just like, are learning. Right. Not just a pumpkin bomb that just makes <laughs> green gas because that's a party, green gas. Uh-huh. <laughs> But after that, Chameleon transforms into Peter, um, which, of course, of course, it's Peter's luck that he this was going to cause girlfriend troubles with him. Right. Um, Mary Jane just happens to be in the bugle. I guess she was showing up to uh, to find Peter specifically because she wants to invite him to her show, uh, her play that she's having, uh, I guess, uh, later that night. So Chameleon sees that the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are coming. So to distract her and distract all the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who are coming by, he very aggressively grabs MJ and aggressively surprise kisses her. But she is yep. 100% into it. <laughs> uh, I know. You know, it's it's very consistent with uh, with how all of the women, or at least both of Peter's suitors, have been portrayed so far on this show. Yeah. So, like, oh, I love it when a man <laughs> takes advantage of me. There's also <laughs> a really weird exchange where... Uh, like she i don't remember exactly how it starts but she gets to the point where she says like well what if i didn't want you to kiss no, me she says specific no he she says why'd you do that uh, okay. peter says i had to, or chameleon says i had to and then mj says what made you think i'd let you yes <laughs> which to which the chameleon's like i took a gamble that peter parker was the luckiest man on earth oh <laughs> It's like, at least Chameleon is a bad guy. So it makes sense that he's saying that aspect. But the fact that, like, MJ is just so swept off her feet over Peter just, like, assuming that he could just kiss her, you know? Right. What if I didn't let you? (laughs) There's obviously no way she could have gotten out of that situation, you know? Like, he very aggressively tackles her with a kiss, basically. Yeah. No (sighs) surprise kisses. Yeah. Especially when they're super aggressive. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh just don't do that to people ever. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> <sighs> oh man. Well, anyway, um after he runs off, the event uh does begin after that. We're jumping right into the the event going on. Nick Fury is preparing his agents um, in the sky base and Spider-Man who is like waiting for this to happen. Um, it's the first appearance of Bruce, the gargoyle who Peter yeah. talks to every so often. I love it. I love P- Peter's little, cause he doesn't have any like Spider-Man friends for, at this point. I don't know if he right. really has very many. So it's nice to get him not just having the inner monologue. He actually gets to kind of bounce off of someone, even if it's his imaginary friend. <laughs> His definitely not intentionally named imaginary friend. (laughs) His gargoyle friend named Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I like it. Yeah. Well, uh, but yeah. So as he's talking to Bruce, he recognizes that the chameleon's arriving on the scene because he's like melting his way into the building through a window, which didn't that just happen with the Hobgoblin episode? There are so many ways to break into buildings by changing the physical state of windows <laughs> you can make them disappear into a gas you can melt them you can do whatever you want to windows <laughs> yeah, <apparently>. it's great <laughs> <laughs> oh boy well he gets through it by melting the window or whatever he's doing mm-hmm. he transforms into his actual form just long enough to uh gas spider-man after spider-man tries to stop him and gets away again <laughs> yeah also Chameleon really just sort of like, like strolls up to this building. 
Yeah. It's like you're the master of disguise. You're you have like an unlimited way to disguise yourself, and this you're melting a window to get into this building. Like, <laughs> disguise yourself as someone who has an invitation. I don't. That's not your whole like deal. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and wh- I he he is only in his sort of quote real form for like a couple seconds. But I'm bad move. Yeah. Why at all? Why ever? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're really. It, it's interesting because I, I, uh, I don't know how much they explore chameleon later on. I know that there are some pretty uh, significant events, I believe, that incorporate chameleon. Um, but I really would. I think it would be really interesting to explore this idea that if you are constantly impersonating other people, actually, maybe this is just sort of mystique, right? Like, yeah. if you're constantly <laughs> impersonating other people. Like, who are you? Yeah, chameleon could very easily fall into that too, because if he's if he's constantly, you know, imitating other people, at what point does he ever, at what point does he have a use for his own self? I guess is what I'm trying to say. That's a really interesting idea for a chameleon story because I feel like that's almost a common trope for like spy stuff where it's like, well, I've been living undercover. What's my cover and who's the real me. But like, it would be interesting to get it from a villain perspective when, especially for like chameleon's whole shtick is that he can flawlessly imitate people and like, depending on the version of him can either like literally transform into them or like has a costume that's like, incredibly perfect so mm-hmm. that would be interesting i wonder if that's ever been done because i've never i haven't really read much that's like ever really explored him or used him in the comics yeah. and i know none of the shows that i've ever seen really did that so yeah if there are any arcs or storylines that really explore that like please let us know because i would like to read that immediately that sounds like it'd be really really cool yeah well and if any... not we'll just write it ourselves oh yes <laughs> <laughs> don't spoil our idea <laughs> yeah and i do i it, correct me if I'm wrong. Does it seem like he has to transform back into himself before he can transform into other people? Or do we see him transform between different disguises? I don't remember. That would be a really, really great question for the end of the episode. Because I don't remember how that all plays out. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we get a definitive answer on that. I feel like he transforms between people without having to be himself. But that would be a really good sort of like flaw. Yeah. Um, that I could very easily buy into. Mm-hmm. I, I would have no problem with that being yeah. a, a, a characteristic of Chameleon. Because yeah. then it would explain things like this, where it's like you can't ever truly, totally hide because you do have to go back to back to default pretty constantly. Right. Yeah. I think that yeah. I, I, I like that idea. <laughs> wow. We are just making the best Chameleon character ever. We really are. Man, I didn't <laughs> think this was going to happen, but uh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're great. <laughs> well, while this is happening, he, uh, he transforms into Spider-Man very briefly in front of a number of shield agents, um, before they, before he drops a gas canister. Um, the reason he does this is of course, so when Spider-Man approaches, then they're going to just assume that Spider-Man is chameleon since that was his last transformation that they saw. So then they'll go after him because they're boneheads. Right. <laughs> while the gas is up, he transforms to look like agent one. Uh, even though the belt is very obvious on her dress, we've already established that. Uh, they... <laughs> she does wear a lot of belts and buckles, though, so... True. That's Maybe true. they're just like, yeah, girl, get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 
well, disguises himself as Agent One to get them to chase after Spider-Man, convincing them that he's Chameleon. Spidey's like, oh my god, you guys, ugh, and wets him <laughs> up. <laughs> and they immediately just fall right down, like they do. Uh, but of course, the Chameleon escapes again. Yep. <laughs> and Peter's like, you know what, screw this, I'm going to be Peter Parker now. <laughs> and he decostumes. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, he's super over it. What's interesting, though, is while Peter ends up going back to being Peter so he can kind of, you know, experience the event the way that he's kind of supposed to, I guess, Chameleon doesn't really skip a beat. He uh, he ends up making his way to the basement, gassing some people along the way. It's kind of his, his favorite thing right now. And then turns the kitchen gas off. This is really interesting to me because it's like kind of um, not complicated plan, but it's like a, it's a multi-step plan. <laughs> plan. Yeah. like he he goes to the basement to turn the kitchen gas off upstairs so that the chef upstairs will call a maintenance person to go downstairs where chameleon is so that chameleon can then take that person's identity right doesn't really seem necessary but i kind of just was interested in like the whole production of it all <laughs> yeah it's a cool like it's kind of a cool spy thing you know yeah. that they're doing where it's just this kind of like multi multi-level plan where it's like it, the dominoes have to fall for you to get to this yes. one point and his ultimate goal is to assume the appearance of the maintenance man because the maintenance man can get into get into places where like he needs to go right. and i guess he didn't know where the maintenance people were housed i guess or maybe it would have been hard to get to the maintenance people so he figured he'd get them to come to him so yeah it's interesting it's you know it's like was it necessary in the narrative of this episode not really but it was a cool addition and really lends to the whole uh you know the whole spy aesthetic that they're going for with with this one yeah and when you're doing spy stuff like if you're confining yourself with necessity you're doing it wrong yeah <laughs> yes absolutely um i love like, i love all like the, the random french chef and the fact that they're like they're all together like surrounded <laughs> around this gas gas like stove cheering when it comes back on uh-huh. it's so silly <laughs> they cater with that one stovetop apparently yeah apparently that's the <laughs> one the one that they have mm-hmm. <laughs> We do get like these weird, I guess they're not weird cuts. I actually think the Mary Jane thing uh, works fine because it's not overplayed. But during this, we get a cut to the theater where real Peter hasn't shown up to the show, which we expected because he doesn't know about it. (laughs) (laughs) And then it just cuts back to the basement. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's it's funny i like it mj she's she's um she's in uh i, I just double checked like what she was playing she's playing helena in midsummer night's dream <laughs> the in the full she she does miss some lines like they cut out some which you can argue that she's distracted because peter's not there so she missed a couple of her lines but the monologue that she's doing is basically like complaining about like why are you like why do you mock me i don't deserve this cruel treatment that you're giving me um which you know of course is what she's thinking about what peter is doing to her why are you right why are you treating me like this so i'm just asking you to come to my play yeah she did only give him like a couple hours notice like i feel like if you're gonna invite someone to your play you should give him a little advance notice but he still said he would come and he didn't I say so. he did say he was going yeah so <laughs> it's valid i mean it is valid well, she for her to thinks be angry. he did say he was going so right it's yeah it's okay she should have given a little more notice i think i don't like people spurring plans on me at the last time but you know but he but yeah he (laughs) did say yes technically according to her so yes (laughs) yes so chameleon has now successfully stolen the appearance of the maintenance person that is important for us to know and uh peter arrives at the party in peter garb like he's just peter 
so he's wandering around the party. Chameleon, as maintenance guy, is wandering around the party. And, understandably, Peter's spider sense goes off. But there's so many people at this party, like, it's not even really that helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. Like, that's that's sort of the perfect setting for, the, for spider sense to be at its most dramatic. <laughs> mm-hmm. We get this... I don't... I don't know... This felt weird, but I don't know how to articulate why it was weird. Agent One delivers a message that came from the real Fury that it's time to get the VP or the VIPs out. And I'm guessing that's just because they recognize Chameleon's there, but they expected Chameleon to be there anyway. So is it just a matter of like how long they're willing to have these people there before they say, "All right, we, like we can't wait around anymore." If it's, I guess so. Like if he's gonna get out, he's gonna get out, but we can't just have these people hanging out here. Yeah, I mean, and we don't know how long the party had been going on up to this point. Yeah, I don't think Jameson's so, over it. Yeah, so it could have been like this. It could have been like they probably had a cutoff time where it's just like we're going to keep them there long enough to like save face, get make everything look okay to them, and then like once we draw Chameleon out then we'll we'll get them out of there like around this time period or if we haven't nabbed chameleon by this point we're gonna make them make sure they get out of there by this point because it's probably we're probably not gonna be able to nab them if we don't if it's taken this long i guess playing with fire i guess if you let them stick around too long yeah exactly so yeah it may i think it makes sense it's it's not explained but it works works for me but yeah so chameleon overhears this uh so he disguises himself as nick fury essentially i do like that in this final one, they they do kind of use the the belt in that his suit jacket covers up his belt anyway. So <laughs> yes. it actually does for the first time make him like totally undetectable. They um, do try, <laughs> and and I I don't think it's unsuccessful. No, they no. do try to because they've allowed us to see all these transformations. They do try to dupe us as well. Like they try to give us that moment. Mm-hmm. By covering the belt, by not showing him transform into Fury. I mean, we've spoiled the fact that he's the Fury that shows up. But <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's over the course of like 12 seconds yeah. <laughs> that you learn this. And you also have everyone being like, wait, you're early. Why are you here so early? Exactly. Weird. I thought you were going to take longer. <laughs> anyway, everything's normal here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is totally normal. Whatever. <laughs> God, his agents suck so oh, bad. Oh, they're so dumb. <laughs> I guess a lot of this episode wouldn't work quite as well if they were all super trained and skilled. <laughs> it's true. That's very true. <laughs> that, I don't love it, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't love that that's how you make it work. <laughs> yeah, it sucks that it's like, in order to make Spider-Man like relevant to his own story, they have to completely <laughs> sell out shield as an entire organization (laughs) yeah luckily there's like enough you know i think there's enough to chew on going on that it ends up generally falling on the side of like goofy and silly in a way that i can appreciate even if i don't love it yeah yeah oh also chameleon as nick fury this was weird to hear coming out of nick fury's mouth but like when they're like why are you so early and he's like nick fury is like my daddy always says the early bird catches the worm or something like that but the fact but that i like, feel like that's a thing nick fury in this universe would say it's so he's weird weird <laughs> <laughs> he's like my displaced daddy. in time yeah <laughs> Yeah, that no, that's exactly what it is. He feels like he's like right out of like the fifties, I guess. It's, yeah, he's like a fifties Boy Scout, but like, <laughs> yeah, but like hardened, but weird. Yeah, but like I don't know, it's so strange. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that is a very strange thing, chameleon. <laughs> um, yeah, but this is when uh, 
they they start to be on to chameleon because spider-man recognizes that his eye patch is on the wrong eye calling back to the obituary photo where they made a big deal about his eye patch being on the wrong eye so and even still after spider-man yells this out agent one it still takes her like a long time to be like what huh (sighs) the eye patch wait a minute like this guy that i see every day that i work very closely with which eye patch is his eye on? Is it that one or is it the other one? I don't know. And all the that while, <laughs> I work very closely with being spies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, to be able to like probably spot people like when they're lying to see every. Oh God! Oh, they're so dumb. <laughs> I do like. There's a brief shot of like Chameleon is about to pull out. His gun, like you see, like a close up of it, and the yeah. gun he's about to pull out just looks like a legit gun, like a pistol, it's yeah. not like a laser gun. Yeah, remember when I said they don't like to do like hyper detail? This is the exception, along with I don't remember when it is that Peter falls and his hair is like perfect, <laughs> but there's a point, and I'll, I'll have to try to find it in the episode or something so I can tweet it out because I'm not going to be able to remember when it is. There is some point in this episode where Peter's hair is as detailed as this gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> But yeah, this gun is ferocious. Yes. He almost pulls it out and shoots them with a bullet, I guess. But uh, but yeah, they they finally are like, oh, I guess that's not the real Nick Fury. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man's like, oh my God, you idiot. So he just jumps down and attacks him. Yes. <laughs> and uh, before, you know, but of course, Agent One is still like, doesn't get it until she receives a call from the real Fury while she's staring at the chameleon as Fury. And it's like, wait, he's, he's not Fury. calling me. The other one calling me is also Fury. <laughs> I'm seeing double here. Whoa. <laughs> she has like a, a vision of like Nick Fury pointing at Nick Fury a la Spider-Man uh, pointing at Spider-Man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, wait a minute. I get it. Chameleon <laughs> is Nick Fury. Uh, who are you, Agent One? That's maybe, why... they, maybe they were like, you can't make one of these characters this dumb. Like, you can't do it. We won't let you. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, she probably... She, we never see her again because she gets fired after this day. It's just like, uh, really? 100%. Really? Mm, you're gone. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Oh, boy. Well, yeah, fight ensues. Um, Chameleon steals a shield helicopter, but he doesn't get that far because Agent 1 finally does something. She shoots it down, and it goes... Where else but into the river with all of the other (laughs) river where everything, every piece of technology, every vehicle, every person that you want to maybe think is dead, where they all go into the river yet again. Which perfectly explains why, like, no one's worried. (laughs) Yeah. I guess uh, they do say, like, someone should check the wreckage, but they're not going to check the wreckage. No, they never check the wreckage. No. (laughs) Not in the Hudson. Nope. Mm -mm. Hudson was where things go to die. Yes. (laughs) One thing that's kind of interesting is J. Jonah Jameson. I don't know that they needed this, but maybe as a kid I needed this. I'm not really sure. J. Jonah Jameson says, like, how could the chameleon have made such a stupid mistake with regards to the eye patch? And Peter says, well, you know, he probably got the picture of Fury from your obituary where it was backwards. So that's all he knew, which is probably a little more explainy than it needed to be. Yeah. Because it, it almost sort of like points out how flimsy the whole picture thing was that you had brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's such a fleeting moment that I guess, I don't know. 
It's a, I think it's a, I mean, I, I, I'm okay with it. Cause it's sort of like, is, is you have to buy into all of it, but it, it's a, it's a clever way to kind of handle it. Cause they definitely were trying to go for something different than just, we saw his belt. Okay. Beat him up. Like it was yeah. like kind of a cool workaround to do it. And it like, it took a lot, <laughs> it took a lot to get to this, to connect all of these like dots. Um, yeah. It feels very writer, very writery. It doesn't feel like a thing that organically happens. But you know it's cool. Like I, it's it's a it's a kind of a clever little like twist on it, even if it's kind of rings a little bit false or awkward. Yeah. But you know, it well, works. it's not out of nowhere. Like they've already established yeah. this. We've talked about the need for suspending disbelief in this one. So I mean, yeah. it's not it's not like a it's not like a line out of nowhere. So that, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um. After that explanation, we get back. We get to the next day where the signing is actually happening. Uh, JJ and Robbie are there together. Um, Peter arrives, and they're just like, "We didn't invite you here. What are you doing?" Yeah. What the heck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> he just shows up. Peter, of course, is like, "Well, you know me. When I get a shot, nothing stands in my way." The shot he's referring to is a like laser cannon that is disguised as his camera because this is actually the chameleon uh, yeah <laughs> with the largest laser cannon ever oh my like, god <laughs> chameleon basically pulls like star killer base out of his pocket and nearly blows off the wall <laughs> oh geez yeah why did he need that <laughs> right like he could have brought a, a gun but okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but yeah so um i i all of this is essentially the lead up to have Spider-Man fighting Peter Parker, basically, is yeah. what all of this comes down to. Spider-Man was on, on call figuring something was going to happen, shows up when he sees himself, and uh, Peter and Chameleon fight. And it's a cool fight. Like, yeah, I, you know, I guess we're, we have to be led to believe that Chameleon has really good fighting skills. He's pretty strong. I mean, he he's a he's a formidable opponent for Peter. Um, he, I love it. It's, it's, it's a cool fight because, like, he tries to gas him. Uh, you know, Spidey knocks that out of his hand and then like he webs, Spidey webs up his feet, but like Peter Chameleon is still like <laughs> trying to like, what do you, what do you call it when you like grab both your fists and then try to like smash the other person with it? There's got to be a name for that. I have no idea because they're like, he, he just kind of reminds me of like, like a worm trying to tackle somebody. Yeah. <laughs> does he, does he, is, is he doing that thing where you like put your hands together and try to like elbow together or is he hitting him with his fists? I think I thought he was hitting him with his fists. Like when oh, you're okay. trying to like knock him down, but he, I mean, I that's how I, I remember it, but there's a name for it. I'm sure. But anyway, he does that move. <laughs> it's cool. Like it's a, it's a cool fight sequence. Cause like it's real quick. It's not yeah. really extravagant, but like it's pretty well animated. Um, yeah. There's this that really might actually be the hair moment. I don't know. I, I think so. Cause there's a really great, like very anime shot where you have like Spider-Man like frozen but like going towards Peter and then it goes to Peter like with a really angry look on his face and I think he's drawn very detailed where it's just like the 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 background is blurred behind him and yeah. like they're going to like to punch each other but Spider-Man <laughs> is able to 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 hit his belt and then we get this sequence that's obviously very reminiscent of the T-1000 dying in Terminator 2. Like, 100%, that's where they got this from. Because he's basically, like, screaming as he's shifting through all of his identities because of his broken broken imaging device. And it's, like, going back and forth, like, rapidly. It looks really painful. Um, and, then he, and then he eventually passes out from it. Yeah, which is interesting that it just sort of, like, knocks him out. Like, it's just a total overload. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I guess, like... I, I, I assumed that it was like a holographic device and I feel like they maybe even call it like holographic or something, but it almost seems like it's like 
like a visceral part of him like he actually does like transform his body or something like mm-hmm. that like it's not just a hologram yeah um, that oh, or man. just it's just electric maybe it just electrocutes him it could also just be doing that yeah maybe <laughs> i like yours better yeah <laughs> <laughs> that it just like has an actual physical tax on his body yeah <sighs> well um that's pretty much all there is to the chameleon part of this. I mean, that that sort of ends the action of the episode. The signing apparently otherwise goes off without a hitch. War does not happen. <laughs> that we know of, at least, because we don't know anything else about this. But following the signing, Spider-Man is watching everybody leave, and the sun is setting. He's hanging out with Bruce. But he's lamenting the fact that he's once again saved the world, and no one even appreciates him. <laughs> and then Nick Fury comes by and is like, hey, thanks, dude. <laughs> Which I kind of like. Yeah, it's I like a that nice... a lot, actually. It's really funny because Peter's always sort of like, oh, man, like, it'd be nice to get a thanks every once in a while. Or like, you know, like he never maybe in this series he does. But I always kind of like when there's that little bit of Peter that still remembers that he could have made money off of this. But yeah. he's actively choosing the right path. Right. So I actually kind of like when he has moments like this where he's just sort of like, Ugh, it'd be nice for like someone to to care about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then someone does. Yeah, it's nice because it's, it's justified for him to be a little resentful of how his life's turned out. But yeah, so it makes it even more like cathartic for him um, when someone when someone actually appreciates him. And I think it's it's a nice moment to kind of end the season on. We don't. It's not the moment we end the season on, but it's a, <laughs> as a season ender thing, yeah. it's a nice thing to kind of throw on as a capper to this season. Because, you know, Peter kind of gets what he wants for the first time yeah. in, in, in a way. Yeah, he definitely does. I mean, until the next scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the real, <laughs> the real capper to this season. <laughs> oh boy. <Yep>. Okay. <laughs> Peter answers the door and it's Mary Jane without saying anything. She just immediately slaps him. <laughs> Which, even if he doesn't deserve it this time, that dude has had it coming. Oh my god. Yes. No, I love it. I, it's totally justified. I think it's great. And you know what? Like, I love, like, empowered Mary Jane just being like, screw you. You suck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Felicia should have done it too. So, yeah. M- I like times. this idea that, that Mary Jane, you know, she's interested in Peter. So, like, maybe she's, you know, like... uh she gets caught up in the moments and stuff, but then she still has this moment. And then the one moment where she was like, in my league, you get one strike where she really just like puts her foot down. And that that's kind of, there aren't enough of those moments yet, but those are the moments where I'm like, okay, like she, she can put Peter in his place, even if he's being like a total (laughs) a-hole. Absolutely. Yes. And in other media, she does constantly. So yes, yes. Uh, I love it. Yes. I love Mary Jane with this. I think she's great in this whole, like in this whole last, last little sequence. Yeah. Peter's of course, really confused <laughs> as she's like, you didn't come to my play. I can't believe you can never kiss me like that again. And he's like, uh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <What> kiss? <laughs> right. Of course he kind of quickly puts it together. Like, Oh God, chameleon was me and chameleon kissed her. Oh, chameleon got my first kiss with Mary Jane. Um, <laughs> and yeah. he, chases after her, is like oh, i i don't know I, I i can explain but maybe i can't explain i don't know if i can explain but please stop slow down and there's silly music happening and yeah. it's all goofy and that's how we end spider-man the animated series season <laughs> one it's kind of like uh oh chameleon got him again <laughs> like, <laughs> it turns like very weird sitcom at the end <laughs> it really does <laughs> 
Like, yeah. oh, my mischievous roommate chameleon. <laughs> oh my god, yes, that's so true. <laughs> like, freeze frames as everyone's laughing. Exactly. But I yeah. was caught up in it. I, I actually... Oh yeah. I, I chuckled. <laughs> it's it's silly, but, you know, it's like... It's it's his comeuppance for a season of treating his suitors very badly. <laughs> yes, yes. Let this be the transformative moment. <laughs> yeah, boy. Okay, so we've got a couple of... Uh, faces of this episode i thought this was going to be there's only two of us but i thought this was going to be unanimous i thought we were both gonna like Mm. settle on the same one i was so confident and then i was like oh no yeah i don't know which one i like better actually because i like the one that you chose the one that i chose it's not so much like a drawn face it more that how the face is presented to us there's a moment with peter and j jonah jameson in the elevator where they're talking and Jameson's face, like, it's not the camera zooming out on him. He gets into, like, the camera's face. And his entire <laughs> face takes up the entire screen. And it's angry. And it's, like, an uncropped, unedited shot of, 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 of this image is just, like, his angry face just, like, at the camera taking up the entire screen. And it's beautiful and just very indicative of J. Jonah Jameson's soul. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. It's, like, in my personal <laughs> space. And it's a flat image. It is. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm uncomfortable right now. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> the other one is the one that you chose. What was your reason for... Uh... I, it's... Okay, so this is this is the moment where Peter shows up to the uh, peace treaty signing and just, like, sits down like nothing's out of the ordinary. But it's it's very, like, creepy horror movie, nothing's out of the ordinary. Like, very don't worry about it. Uh, nothing's out of the ordinary. It's almost like he's wearing like a plastic mask. Like it's too happy. It's like almost Stepford. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's something that's just like unsettling about it. And then if, when you actually watch the episode, he holds this pose and blinks exactly one time Ooh. <laughs> while holding this pose. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's true. Cause the smile's very, very big. It's like there's like that crease on his cheek and then like a side eye type thing that he has. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I feel ya. Like he's about to eat a human being. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's good. I'm happy to just call this a tie and then we'll just have two yeah. for for this one. This is fine. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? This is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Exactly. Who's telling <laughs> us no? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> someone's gonna write in and be like no i that's not the rules of the game you can't do that <laughs> How dare you singular <laughs> <laughs> all right well that was the end of spider-man the animated series what did you think of this as, a, as like a as, a as an episode and as a finale as a fin- okay so i actually think of it as a finale sort of fitting in perfectly with the season in that it doesn't feel like a finale. <laughs> yeah. And these these 13 episodes as a whole don't really have much of a pace as a whole season or like a there's there's not like a a rhythm to the season. It's 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 very much like here are the things we want to present to you as soon as possible and we're going to get them in there. And yeah. some of those things are only going to take one episode and some of them are going to take more than one episode. And it's it's um it's only fitting that this like one off episode that you could have almost placed anywhere <laughs> yeah. happens to be the season finale. But is it also safe to say that 
season finale like not that significant in 1995 oh yeah i think it's this series comes in a weird place because i think we were sort of on the cusp of like a transition with how tv was done where people were where you were starting to see more things take more risks in general so like this is after star trek the next generation has had done their big cliffhangers this is this is after twin peaks this is after x files had done a couple of things a couple of uh, big season enders so like it was a thing but it was still becoming a thing like it wasn't widespread it wasn't like you have to have a big episode for your finale yet the compulsion wasn't there to make sure that you had the end of the season moment exactly like it was a thing that existed as were you know series arcs to an extent but like especially for a kids show it wasn't really required or like implied that that was going to happen so now that said i think it's, it's still kind of unspoken for a lot when it's a lot of creators who really care about the show that they're doing they still will try to end the season on like a strong episode it just doesn't necessarily have to be like an all-encompassing one or something. Because in a lot of cases, sometimes it is literally like they're working until they're tired at the end of the season. So it, it can often be like a weak one because this was after yeah. they were exhausted and just trying to pump out an episode and didn't sense. have as much time for rewrites. So it's it is interesting, but 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 it is it's it's interesting to kind of bring up like the rhythm of a season and of and stuff because this one didn't. But this show is interesting in that like its first season is the only season where it's like that because they very intentionally like Semper very intentionally wanted it to not feel like that. It wanted, he wanted to do series long arcs and like plot out a whole season and things like that. And it's just that he wasn't allowed to do it for this first season. And it ends up probably being the, even though I think it has a lot of individual gems in it that are going to hold up, it's still probably I'm going to imagine is probably the clunkiest season of the show in terms of being one whole season. Oh, I think it, I I would be shocked if it weren't, because I think clunky is actually probably the perfect word for that. And I don't even mean that in like a particularly disparaging way. I just think when you have a season where some episodes are completely contained and some episodes are three episode arcs or two episode direct continuations of one another, Mm -hmm. it's sort of like you just, you have like your greatest hits but they're all from different albums you know like that's that's just sort of how it ended up i i know i've said before i wouldn't have been surprised at all if given that this is a first season each episode was almost formulaic in here is new villain here is how we solve problem and we use that problem to endear you to our hero mm-hmm. this doesn't do that but it does it sometimes <laughs> yeah and yeah. that's sort of what's weird about it right like it doesn't it doesn't completely do a 180 on that. Half of the episodes are exactly that. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. strange. Yeah, it's actually, it's a, it's a less formulaic season than I expected it to be going into it and going from memory. Because it really did, because it, they really did try a lot of different things this season. Like you got, you got like your Doc episode is like your kind of crime ransom story you had like your spy story with the day of the chameleon you have like business your bo- drama you had your business drama with the hobgoblins you had your like your sci-fi space story with the alien costume you had like a body horror a body horror story with night of the lizard and sting of the scorpion yeah. so you know uh it's that's one thing that i that i did really enjoy going through this whole season is just like they were clearly kind of testing the waters in a lot of ways in a way that i appreciate in a way in ways that didn't always work out for them necessarily (laughs) but but i think for the most part like 
I, I, they, they definitely did stray away from having, there isn't one season one formula. Like there is, yeah. you know, there's a new, a new villain every episode for the most part, but every villain is kind of treated differently. And the way that their story plays out is played out differently. Like the, the entire like three act structure structure that they have is a little bit different each episode. So I'm, I, I appreciate that about it, but yeah, I, I have to imagine that makes it somewhat unique because I, I don't know for sure. This is definitely a question I have for you. I expect that most first seasons of something are probably somewhat safe in a way. Yeah, I would, I think it's changing nowadays because everybody is wanting to take big risks and move a lot faster. But I feel like up until like, I don't know, like 2010, honestly, most of the time the idea was to make sure your show can stretch out for as long as possible. So it was always, it's except for very, very rare outliers, most of the time your first season is just about establishing what your formula is or like what your relationships are over a long period of time. And then maybe you'll, maybe you'll have a status quo change right at the end. But like for the most part, the whole season is just like still figuring out what you are the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it's interesting with this season because there were multiple moments where we felt like Peter wasn't, uh, not Peter in the show, but like Peter as a character on a television show, like the meta of it all wasn't fully realized or was, was sort of like struggling to figure himself out again as a character, not like as a person. (laughs) Right. Um, and part of that was the, the weird ordering of things. And part of that was probably some growing pains, but I have to imagine that when you're experimenting with so many different types of storytelling in one season and in your first season, that's, I, maybe that's like, maybe that's a, not very surprising casualty uh, in a way. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say so. And I think like, if you, if I had to choose between like being a little bit experimental with your storytelling versus like being boring with your storytelling, but having like consistent characterization, I would still lean more towards the former, like having, like trying to go to different places because consistent characters are very, very, very important. But I don't know, though. Now that I say that out loud, I feel like I would disagree with myself because... Well, <laughs> the way that I think about it is, <laughs> shockingly, from like a reality competition standpoint, when you have shows that are judged, mm-hmm. and if you have a show um, right now, for me, it would be RuPaul's Drag Race, where when they judge the contestants, there are the people who are in the top, there are the people who are in the bottom, and then there are people who are safe. And safe is actually not a place you want to be because while it means you made it to the next week, it means you're not taking any risks. It means you're not you're not giving us a moment. It means you're following a template and that's working, but it's kind of boring. And yeah. at some point that's going to catch up with you and it's going to get tired enough that you're just going to sort of get cut and left with all the other boring safe stuff. So it's interesting because the people who end up in the bottom are people who probably took big swings and then they end up remembered for those big swings. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop talking about <laughs> spider slayers part two or the return <laughs> of the spider slayers as I should probably call it. Cause that's its actual name. <laughs> and I, I remember so much about it because they did things that I hated, um, <laughs> which is more memorable than an episode that I just sort of was like, that was fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't make it good, but it means they tried something, I guess. Yeah. I don't know that that one's a great example because it's a, it's, you know, it's toy driven, but. I would go more with like the Menace of Mysterio, which I think I would, which I loved a lot. And it has flaws, certainly, but it's, 
such a like crazy out there episode that like packs in so much stuff and goes to these like weird places and there's like no other episode like it that is an episode i really loved and and way willing to overlook any flaws that it has yeah. in it because it's just so fun to watch and just felt so different and felt like they really were trying and they were really taking risks you know yes yeah no that's a great example because that is exactly the type of thing that if personified took the swing but might end up coming off a little messy (laughs) and you're like i just admire what you did yeah even if you kind of look a hot mess right now (laughs) yeah i think the reason i hesitated is because i'm a strong proponent for like characterization over plot like i'm okay with a plot being like messy or convoluted if it's all rooted in character and if like the characters are going places and the story of that character is good but i think then that's the difference between plot and story where like the mechanics of what's happening I, I don't think are as important as like the overarching story that you're telling and maybe the 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 the, the risks that you're taking to tell that story, you know, um, yeah. like it's a fine line. But like the overarching story is is different than like the beat by beat A, B, C, like getting from point A to point B plot. Right. And I think like when you're taking these giant risks or being experimental with things like even if maybe like the plot doesn't really work like, oh, that's. That's weird that like suddenly this weapon does does this differently. Like that doesn't really work, but it's 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 to doing that is specifically to tell a greater story about this character's journey or like this coming of age thing or, you know, in cases of this season like okay, yeah, maybe Doc Ock's like rocket layer and this rocket testing stuff like doesn't make <laughs> any goddamn sense, but it was all there to like up the stakes and service this greater story about Spider-Man facing Doc Ock and 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 figuring things out with that. And I think that sort of supersedes like the plot that you're telling. So I'd rather, yeah. like you said, I'd rather them take big swings and do something weird and different and fail at it, or have like just stuff that doesn't seem to work, rather than just like boring things <laughs> and yeah. just doing the same formula over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, I guess given that, like, since we're talking about it as a whole season, I guess us as viewers, like, we're watching the season. If this is, if we treat this as a season and a whole package, like, what are we taking away from this as a season? Either from a art standpoint, like, what did they accomplish? Or um, from a storytelling and we're supposed to pull meaning out of it? Like, what are we, what do we take away from this? What's our, what's our current takeaway from spider-man the animated series so far for season one specifically i think it's the for me i think it's sort of the importance of having your of knowing your main character and having them always at the center and then world building from there because i think those are two things that the show both does well and fails at at the same time Mm-hmm. And that I think are very important to how this show is built because Peter is always at the center of it. And the times my least favorite episodes are ones where he isn't really at the center of it, where he doesn't really learn anything or it's it, it, things like uh, the, the Scorpion episode. I didn't like how things never really came back around to Peter yeah. learning anything from that one. Um, and, and the Spider Slayer part, like part two or the return of the Spider Slayers. Now I'm doing it. The return of the Spider Slayers, <laughs> like, it's almost sort of incidental that he's there. And again, he doesn't really learn anything. He's just constantly running from and or running to the spider slayers and then eventually defeats them, but not in, in any way, like a clever way. Like it just kind of is all incidental and it doesn't, it doesn't hinge on Peter learning anything or us learning more about Peter as a character. It doesn't necessarily have to change, but as long right. as like we have a better understanding of who he is or he goes through some sort of journey, I think that's important. And the sort of like, 
the 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 thing that's sort of connected to that but also runs a little contrary to it is also the world around him i think is really important and i think this first season really does a very good job at world building we we know a lot about uh about the bugle we know a lot lot about like esu and like his friends there his teachers there or i guess one teacher with dr connors but we know a lot about like that sort of world we know about like you know, all his, the entire supporting cast all sort of come from different spaces that all intersect in varying points. Um, and I think that's really important. And I think establishes a really like kind of concrete foundation that will make the rest of the series soar afterwards without having like that in a way that it wouldn't, if it didn't have that foundation. Yeah. I, I really like that sort of exploration of world building because I feel like frequently, um, when I encounter the concept of world building, it ends up getting like really bogged down by the like literal interaction with the world around you. And it ends up being almost explainy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, all right, well now there's no soul. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, cool. I now know how these, like these blinds work in, in meticulous detail, <laughs> but I like, I like what they do here where they slowly sort of inject in small doses, these characters, so that we don't necessarily, we're not getting inundated over the head with how the world works, but we are getting bits and pieces of who inhabits the world and how how they interact with it, and that tells yeah. us, I think, way more about the world that we're existing in than how like how Peter Parker's web shooters work. Yeah, like we know what neogenics is and how it works because Doctor Connors was using it, and now that's a major part of this the world of this show that is going to impact a lot of stuff going forward because Neogenics is is just kind of at the foundation of a lot of other villains and a lot of other characters and storylines. So yeah. yeah, stuff like that. I think it's it's really it is very well done in, in this season. Yeah. I, I will be curious to see how much of that um they take with them moving forward now that we do have an established cast, because at a certain point you don't want to like oversaturate your your show with introducing new characters and stuff. But um, I just so appreciated the, the slow introduction over time of, of certain characters. I mean, there's really not, it's not like we ever got an an episode that was like about Peter and Mary Jane. Right. But we, we kept seeing Mary Jane and we, I feel like by the end of this, if you showed this series to somebody who didn't know anything about Peter and Mary Jane and their dynamic, they wouldn't get the greatest portrayal of that relationship, but I think they would understand Mary Jane. Yeah. No, definitely. That's, At least that's this very one. True. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, because this show, no one ever, no characters ever feel like shoehorned into the story. They only show up if they need to be there. And like most, the only person other than Peter that shows up in every single episode is sort of Jameson. And he, even, and he was he was in all but one of them. <laughs> right. He wasn't in the Hot Wild Part 2. But, you know, and, and but he, it, he was always like, he always had a role to play one way or another, even if it was kind of small. He yeah. was almost, and he is almost kind of the second lead in the show. Like, so yeah. many stories were kind of built around him. That's but, super true. Yeah, which which I was shocked by, like kind of looking back on it, that he was he's such an integral character to the season, but in a way that never feels forced or anything. Like he's just a, a an important kind of contrast to Peter, and he kind of jumpstarts a lot of stories that we see. But other than which, that, and that actually really the early episodes we talked a pretty decent amount about how there was clear inspiration from the original um, run of comics uh, of the amazing Spider-Man. The Jameson being a driving force in a lot of these stories, like feels pretty consistent with that. That's true. That's very true. Actually. Yeah. Cause it was a lot of P 
Peter discovering stuff through his work at the Daily yeah. Bugle more than anything. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, that that's, that's actually really cool. Because, you know, I feel like that very typical superhero lineup in most shows is usually, like, hero, love interest, like, best friend, potential sidekick, and then, like, <laughs> their aunt slash mom and dad. And that's, like... Every superhero cast is basically yeah. that, at least in the first season until it like, it, it, like, expands from there. And it's interesting that this one, like, he has two love interests that just kind of pop up every so often. Felicia and Mary Jane are in and out, but they're never shoehorned in. They're never, like, forced in a romance scene where it's not needed. It's just, like, if there's a way to, like, make Peter miserable for an episode by screwing up, like, they're going to throw him in there, you know? Yeah. But other than that, everyone just kind of pops up when they need to be there. And I think it's a really smart way to handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Do you have any, I feel like people probably know this, but favorite slash least favorite episodes of the season? Um, So I actually, I even, I was trying to think of like, if I had to rank them, like if somebody said you must rank them, how it would go. And one thing that's really interesting about not ranking these as we go along is that I've had the chance to sit on certain episodes and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not good. Mm-hmm. where I feel like, and I, I said this when we were talking about it, the more I think about the Hobgoblin part one, the more I just really like it. And so when I was actually ranking them, trying the experiment of like, if I had to pick a one, if I had to pick a two, there's only 13 episodes here, but Hobgoblin part one ended up in my like top five. Because huh. I was like, I just really like that. And I, it's weird because it's not really what I would expect from this show. And it's not as Peter-centric as many of the other episodes. But there's just something about it where, like, I could just think about it. for Like, <laughs> I just keep thinking about it. <laughs> I don't know why. But no, I think, I think, um, I, I don't think this is going to shock anybody. You know, I think Alien Costume Part 1 is up there. Alien Costume Part 3 is up there. Um, I really like Hobgoblin 1, Doc Ock is up there, Night of Lizard is up there. The interesting thing that I was struggling with was, where do I put those three that we covered all at once? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm struggling so much with them. I don't know if it's because we watched them all at once and covered them all at once, but I keep just rearranging them. Interesting. You know? But I also, I also didn't struggle as much with... Um, scorpion as i know you did as far as like it coming back around but again sitting on it makes me think about that more yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like not as high on it as maybe i was coming out of it so the middle is a little weird but i I think i could confidently say that like alien costumes part one and three uh doc ock armed and dangerous night of the lizard and hobgoblin part one are probably up there and then um hobgoblin part two and return of the spider slayers are my least favorite (laughs) for sure (laughs) yeah hobgoblin two and spider and return of spider slayers are definitely my bottom two (laughs) um i actually as we finish this i think the menace of mysterio is my favorite one of this season weirdly i just that's the one that i keep coming back to that's mm-hmm. the one that has, like, so many things that I like in it, and it's just so weird and silly and fun. And, like, if I were to pick one to rewatch, like, right now, I probably would re-watch that one above all the other ones. And one thing that has going for it is that it's not tied to any other episodes. So, like, you yeah. can just watch that one. Yeah. But, like, I will... I, I couldn't possibly put Hobgoblin Part 1 as my favorite because it's always going to be linked to Hobgoblin Part right. 2. Right. They're directly connected to one another. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that, that really like weighs it down. <laughs> yep. Yep. But yeah, that I think that's actually my number one. I think Alien Costume, all three of them would be right after that. And then Night of the Lizard after that. That would be kind of like my top four. Um, and then I guess the Doc Ock episode would be number five. But 
yeah, that would be like kind of my top five. But yeah, it really shocked me how much I like the Mysterio episode, like in retrospect. But I just really enjoyed it a lot in a way that I didn't that. I mean, I enjoyed all of them. I enjoyed yeah. all, you know, but more than I enjoyed any of the other ones. And I think it is just because it's just so fun and funny and weird and fun to talk about that one. But yeah. alien costume episodes and the losers episodes are both very good and both like very well animated and very well done bring their a game and i appreciate that a lot too so you know the one that i was surprised to like not feel that compelled to push forward or like i don't know i i I thought that the craven the hunter was going to it sounds weird to age say age better Mm -hmm. but i i just i was like i i think i'm gonna appreciate this more later (laughs) i i I, it doesn't it doesn't land any differently (laughs) for me yeah i liked it like less after we were talking about it which is funny because like it was fun catching on to the weird like sex themes in it (laughs) and normally like when i can pull a really cool theme out of something i like i like it more because it's like oh you're trying to do something what they were trying to do is just really weird and not very well executed and yeah yeah and there's just a lot of a lot of weird stuff that isn't like fun <laughs> in that yeah. one, you know. You know what I think? My it'll be it'll this will be interesting to explore going forward because obviously you and I are, are are different people, so like we're gonna our rankings are always going to rely on like different priorities and different types of things. I think that I this is probably going to present a challenge, and I should I'm gonna have to check myself on this, but. I wonder how much of a concept is going to sort of like woo me despite the execution of the concept. Because I, do you know what I mean? Like, I think that that probably explains a little bit why I enjoy the Scorpion episode and the Hobgoblin episode more than I feel like I should. And, And I only say should because I do feel like there's a difference between um, like evaluating the quality of an episode and evaluating your enjoyment of an episode. And I think they're both really valuable measures. Right. But I think those two are concepts that I really, really enjoy, even though like I see all the problems and I don't disagree with them. <laughs> huh. Yeah. No, I totally, I totally get huh. that. It's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. It, it will be interesting going forward when we get more and more diverse types of material to base that onto because i know i i've definitely gone back and forth on it there's definitely things that i will defend to my dying breath knowing that it's not very good just because i love like the idea behind it but then conversely like once i get to the nitty-gritty for other things i just like i can't get past certain pieces so (laughs) yeah it definitely varies i think the important thing is just just like always be able to check yourself and know when you're doing like what your reasoning is and be like, at least like if you've considered the other, like what the, the quote unquote like bad stuff is and can still like it despite that, then, you know, you're good. I think it's yeah. always just like, you can't blindly blindly love or blindly hate something another way. Like you always right. have to be able to think about it, figure out what you're like, what's, what's going on in my own head and my own like experiences yeah. to drive me to feeling this way in the first place evaluate your faves yeah <laughs> yeah you can be crit- and you can be critical of something without like liking it any less yes absolutely yeah i have a question for you yeah peter parker and spider-man in this series to this point i'm inspired by our discussion from i want to say this was doc ock episode okay where we were sort of presented with the idea that 
Spider-Man can't have the same strategy every time. Like, he can't just bust through the window and the timing is right and, like, have everything go the way that it needs to. And that's the episode where he had to sort of, like, use his, quote, Peter powers. Mm -hmm. Do we feel like, so far throughout this show, what is, quote, winning out as the bigger power? His, like, superpowers or his... Hmm. Like, okay, okay, let me present this in a different way. Peter Parker is... And and Spider-Man is cool because he has two different things going on, right? He has superpowers, and those are things that were given to him by a radioactive spider. But then he also is just genuinely a genius. And so he has these two different things, one of which is sort of like this super enhanced element of him, and one of them is like something that's more like in his core. And it almost ends up being this brains versus brawn type of thing, and he uses both of them. Like he is he is undeniably strong as heck, and that's something that was given to him via superpower. And then he's also undeniably smart as heck, and that's something that he just actually is. So thus far in this show, what is being presented as more valuable? Ooh. Wow, what a question. Cause I can tell you what the PS4 game does. <laughs> <laughs> like that is, I, I think that game is explicitly like Peter is the stronger force in that game. Yeah. And I don't know yet if this show is saying that Peter is or if Spider-Man is. Um, I also don't think it was trying to take a side. Yeah. No, it definitely wasn't like attempting to do that, but there are multiple moments of Peter being like, I should be Peter Parker for this or only succeeding because of his inside knowledge, working at the bugle or working as a scientist or like, because it's someone he knows personally. Yeah. I almost feel like I would lean more towards qual- qualitative, qu- no, quantitatively, I feel like it's probably Spider-Man powers has probably saved more people and done more good things. But yeah. I think, like, the way that the show has showcased things, I feel like the bigger wins are always because of what Peter is able to do on his own, sans spider powers, I think is where it's leaning. I mean, I think of, like, even just like Peter's own deductive skills, like the fact that he was able, like when in the Venom episode, like he, like finding Eddie's new address, like mm-hmm. it's a simple thing and it doesn't require you to necessarily be Peter Parker, but it's it's a thing that he wouldn't be able to solve swinging around a Spider-Man. He had to be smart enough as Peter Parker to like make that deduction. Yeah. Which I think is sort of like when, when we had the, the note for this episode that Semper got where like he's too much of a detective. Like that's when it doesn't really work because Peter is actually really smart and he is <laughs> like, he's not a detective in the way that like maybe Batman is a detective right. or something, but, but he is very good about using his resources to put two and two together. That's what kind of makes him such a good superhero in that like Spider-Man isn't the strongest superhero ever or the most agile. Like he's not the best anything physically, but like he's got this, the spider sense that gives him an up, up and up on his brain, but he also has his brain where he would be doing amazing (laughs) things as Peter Parker, whether he was Spider-Man or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that is for me personally, like my bias. And I think the way that we are supposed to gen, like generally interpret like Spider-Man and Peter Parker, like the dynamic between those two entities is that Spider-Man isn't just superpowers, right? Like, People fall in love with Peter Parker. Right. They're not falling in love with, I mean, I love all the costumes. They're <laughs> not falling in love with the costumes, you know? Yeah. I'm just I'm just curious to see if the show does that. Like, I think there are yeah. times where it's just sort of like, this is a cool fight. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, he definitely, but he definitely fails a lot when he goes at things at Spider-Man physically, but almost every time he's ever come at something as Peter Parker or come up with a plan as Peter Parker it usually is what succeeds. Yeah. Like, no, I, I think, think he's right. really failed. So 
I guess they're doing it right, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, guys. <laughs> Gold star. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, wow. Dang, we did it. Yeah, we did, man. We finished I finished the season, yo. We did. I feel good about it. Yeah, I'm excited for when we uh, we eventually hit season two of this show. But we're gonna take a little bit of a break. Try try another show for a bit, and then do another another full season of another Spider-Man show potentially before we come back around to this one. But it won't be long. We'll be back yeah. to it sooner. Yeah, we're soon hitting enough. an interesting point in the podcast where we we want to cover every spider-man podcast or every spider-man cartoon ever as we say frequently um but we also don't want to ever feel like we're tired right because then it stops being fun so we kind of we're at the point where we finished a season and our current plan is to allow ourselves to mix things up and then do another stretch of of a season so i i hope that works well yeah Um, yeah i think it'll work well because it ends up being fun for us and i think if if we're having fun i think we're doing it right yeah yes so, i think yeah. so too so um have fun going on this journey with us yeah <laughs> thanks for, for coming this far <laughs> yeah yeah and we'll probably be exploring some stuff we're less familiar with too so that will be interesting oh yeah <laughs> yeah oh we started here for a reason <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get outside of our box and i'm excited yes all right anything else any other final thoughts on this season or where we're headed into the future um why well, I, I there are certainly things i want to do in the future that i realize i want to do now because i didn't do them for this season oh yes okay and so look forward to that okay i know you don't like to be surprised mm-hmm. so i'm gonna let you know that sometimes you're gonna be surprised that's fine <laughs> that's fine you know <laughs> It'll never be anything bad. Oh, and actually, okay. you won't be that surprised because one of them is something I said I wanted to do and then didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> to give you an idea. Uh, I almost... What's no that? idea. I have no idea what you're talking about, but it's cool. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, on that note, where can we find you elsewhere? You can find all of these nonsensical musings on Twitter <laughs> most frequently. Uh, at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Follow me. See whatever I'm talking about. It's usually television stuff mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Um, I also talk about Pokemon on a very regular basis, um, almost weekly at this point, um, which is pretty exciting. Uh, it's called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast. And guess what? It's on the same exact network that we're on so it's easy to find um so if you're into pokemon or pokemon related things if you are excited about pokemon sword and shield and the gala region or detective pikachu or literally anything even related to it we got your back we're excited about it too rad cool uh you can find me also on twitter at Derek b gale d-e-r-e-k b like boy g-a-y-l-e um, you also... <laughs> I feel like I was supposed to be like cheerleading in the background as you did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also find me on YouTube under my video essay show, Second Chance. Um, I've got a few episodes up now, including one on Spider-Man 3. Uh, working on some new ones. I'm working on like two at the same time because I can't decide which one it's actually going to be my next one because they're both kind of <laughs> interlinked in a way. But uh, hopefully one of those will be out soon soon in the next within the next month um but yeah you can find me there look me up at second chance on youtube 
Otherwise, you can follow our podcast, Walloping Web Snappers, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All of them are at Walloping Web Pod. You can also email us. Um, still haven't gotten any of that Hobgoblin fan art uh, with Hobgoblin as a cat yet. So Come on. Give us a little gift for finishing the season. I want Hobgoblin as a cat. Uh, <laughs> post it on our social media or email it to wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. We mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but you can also support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. Get some amazing perks and uh, uh, we'll be doing some, some, bonus, uh, some bonus things coming out very yeah. soon that you will only be able to access as a patron. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, next up, we're going to go back in time <laughs> to hang out with Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yes. I am not confident I've seen any of this, so I'm uh, happy. Oh, you're in for a treat, I guess? <laughs> yes. <laughs> See you then, everybody. See you next time. Yeah.